Good morning. Welcome to the First Baptist Church of Savannah, Georgia on this beautiful, beautiful Sunday. Um, if you are a guest with us from out of town, then we welcome you. And if you are a guest with us from right here in Savannah, uh, we welcome you. And as always, uh, welcome back if you are a part of our church family. If you will, um, if you are a guest, uh, during the offering time, as the um, offering is being passed, if you would register your attendance with us with one of the pew registries that you'll find in our pew, that would be much appreciated. And also, uh, at the end of service, if you would let our folks say hello to you, they love um, getting to know many of the guests who come and, um, and visit here. So if you come from afar or right down the street, let us all join together as we worship on this fourth Sunday of Advent. I heard the prophet crying. I heard the voice calling out. In the wilderness, I listened. And I heard. But I wonder. Is that for me? Could that be for us? Does the voice cry for me? Does the voice call to us? Does the child come? Does God mean us? Because this world is dark. And my actions have sometimes darkened it. There is so much doubt. And my thoughts have sometimes sown it there in my heart. But still I hear. Over my actions and my thoughts. Still the dear Christ enters in. Emmanuel. God with us. But there is fighting and war. There is hate and prejudice. And I have at times stood by and let the fight continue. I have allowed hate to mar my thoughts. To affect how I treat you. Or don't treat you. How I see you. Or don't see you at all. So I doubt. But still the voice comes. It proclaims to all. The dear Christ enters in. Emmanuel. God with us. I see ignorance and apathy take hold. And know that mine sometimes takes over. I see the homeless and the hungry. And know that I make sure I have enough. I know I want to be understood. But don't always seek to understand. We celebrate wealth and pride selfishness and power we overlook peace and justice work around equality and love so i wonder is emmanuel for me could god with us be for us does the voice cry for me does the voice call to us does the child come does god mean us still knowing what god knows knowing us knowing me knowing the world still the dear Christ enters in. Emmanuel. God with us. So we light a candle this morning. Because though no ear may hear his coming. Though we live in this world of sin. Though we refuse to be meek. Still. The dear Christ enters in. For you? Yes. yes. For me? Yes. yes. For all the world? Yes. yes. Emmanuel. God with us. Brings love. For you? For me. For, for all, all the world. world unconditional, unbiased, unending, unwavering, love unto all the world. Let us pray. God of love that knows no bounds, in these last days before Christmas, the busyness and the anxieties of the season can be overwhelming and can threaten to overshadow the pure wonder of Advent and what is to come. We gather together now asking you to help us lay aside what is troubling 
and focus on the word become flesh among us, the love and compassion of God breaking into our world. We know that you are a God of surprises who makes your presence known to us in so many unexpected ways. You are a God who offers hope when all seems lost, who offers peace when chaos threatens to consume us, who offers joy when we are in a place of darkness, and who offers love at all times to all people. We pray that you would meet us here in this place today and open our hearts to recognize you in our midst. May we hear your call to live into a world where your love takes shape in the form of understanding and reconciliation. We pray these things in the name of the one who comes to all of us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. join with me as together we affirm our faith. We believe in God who has triumphed over darkness with light, who has shown compassion to deliver humanity from the consequences of sin. In the greatest love, the only Son of God was given for our sake. We believe in the coming Christ who establishes the eternal kingdom of heaven In Jesus, our redemption has drawn near, and we believe he was born to be our Savior. We commemorate his birth in this season, but we also confess these days to be the advent of our Lord's return. We dedicate ourselves to be alert in prayer, guarding our hearts that the Lord's day should not catch us unexpectedly. We live not knowing the day or the hour when the Son of God shall come. Nevertheless, we commit ourselves to be the church, whether gathered in worship or in our daily walks as Christians. By ministry and mission, we pledge to share the good news of Jesus' birth, that all people may come to know him. Thank you. 
We're told in Scripture that children are a heritage of the Lord. They are among our richest blessings, and all of them gifts of God. Still, a grace entrusted should be a grace recognized, and a gift received, and a gift appreciated, and a a gift affirmed. And so this morning, Chris and Rachel Cosme have come to present not just a son, but themselves to God as an act of family commitment and dedication. God has given them good gifts of mercy in the form of a son and in their shared life as a family. Yeah. And so their presence here this morning is an offering of themselves and their child to God. Chris and Rachel, would you now, before these people, share in the parents' covenant? As your church family, we ask the two of you, do you now present your son before God in solemn dedication? Do you consecrate yourselves as parents to bring up Finley in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? Do you promise to instruct your son in the teachings of Jesus Christ and in the practice of prayer and to provide guidance in the development of a Christ-like character? Do you promise to try to the best of your ability so to shape your home life by your words and your example that Finley will naturally come to an open confession of Christ and into the fellowship and service of the church. Would you all join with us in the unison prayer of dedication? O God, our Father, we have received our children in trust from Thee. Acting as stewards of this holy trust, help us to love our children unselfishly and to guide them into a righteous living. We pledge our lives to the fulfillment of this holy calling and pray thy divine help through Jesus Christ our Lord, in whose name we make our prayer. Amen. We're going to go for a walk, okay? Okay, here we go. We'll be right back. Take a look at all these people. Yeah. What do you think? This is Robert Finley Cosme, the son of Rachel and Chris Cosme, and the grandson of Robin and George White, Norm and Laurie Cosme, and John and Norma Finley. And he has two living great-grandmothers, one in California, B. Copeland, and one in Kansas City, June Finley. And Finley, these are all the people of your church family who are going to get to watch you grow up, especially after he moves back to Savannah next May. What do you think of them? Huh? Yeah. Get a good look at them. They're getting a good look at you. Yeah. Okay. And we're all hoping to watch you grow up to be tall and strong. Okay. Get a good look at them. This is your church. This is my beloved grandson, in whom I am well placed. Finley, you are a child of God, and we claim all of God's blessings for you.
Our first lesson comes from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 7, beginning in verse 10. Again the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David. Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a young woman shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land before whose two kings you are in dread will be deserted. Here ends the first lesson. Our second lesson this morning is the beginning of the letter to the Romans, verses 1 through 7. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The gospel concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for the sake of his name, including yourselves who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all God's beloved in Rome who are called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Our gospel lesson for today is taken from the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 1, and beginning to read at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. This is the written word of the Lord. Those of you who listen to National Public Radio are no doubt familiar with Garrison Keillor's long-running program, which happens to be a favorite of mine, uh, called A Prairie Home Companion. I suppose it's off the air now, but for many years, it was a wonderful radio program that appeared once a week and always included a story or two about Lake Wobegon, Minnesota, Keillor's imaginary hometown. Lake Wobegon is, a, is an odd little town, uh, an unlikely sort of place, filled with certain contradictions and inconsistencies. The residents there enjoy Dorothy's Chatterbox Cafe and Ralph's Pretty Good Grocery. 
There is the Lake Wobegon Lutheran Church and the Roman Catholic Parish of Our Lady of Perpetual Responsibility. Lake Wobegon is a place where people eat powder milk biscuits, that marvelous mix that gives shy persons the strength to get up and do what needs to be done. Lake Wobegon is an ordinary and yet exceptional place where the women are strong and the men are good-looking and the children are all above average. What Garrison Keeler seems to say about this odd little community is that even within the unusual and the seemingly absurd things of life, there is almost always something that still manages to heal us and to unite us. The central truth of the Christmas message is that God entered human history in Jesus of Nazareth. We say with the prophet Isaiah that his name is Emmanuel, for God is now with us and a part of our experience. That idea was so unlikely, so far-fetched a thought that many persons then, as well as now, could not, cannot accept it. The notion of Messiah, God's anointed one, being born at Bethlehem may not have been an absurd idea, but certainly it was more than a little scandalous. The scandal is that the Son of God could be born in a stable, laid to rest in a manger. Surely God's Son deserved a place more fitting for his holy entrance. He was worthy of a setting abounding with great dignity, with beautiful furnishings and servants on every hand. Bethlehem was a scandalous entrance compared to what might have been and surpassed, I think, only by the scandal of his death on the cross. Think of it. Christ enters in at Bethlehem of all places, a little backwater town which was all but forgotten by the rest of the world. He was laid to sleep on cold manger straw. Besides his mother and father, the only attendants present that we know about were the stupid staring animals of that stable. And yet this is the way Holy Scripture says that our God chose to enter into all of human history. Imagine that. Sir Thomas Brown once mentioned the fact that ice splits starwise. In using those words, he was alluding to the fact that if you take an ice pick and strike a block of ice at just the right point and in just the right way, that the fissures shoot out in all directions through the ice. That solid block of ice falls in two at the star. In a beautiful sort of way, that image describes what happened at Christmas. Christ was born at Bethlehem, and the whole of human history falls in two at his star. Whether you choose to believe it or not, whether you choose to believe in him or not, the Christ child has dramatically affected the world in which you and I live. The masthead of tomorrow morning's newspaper, the letters you write next week, the income tax you will sign, the income tax form you will sign next spring, all use a number which represents how many years have passed since Bethlehem's baby made his entrance into the world. His birth changed history as well as made history. Bethlehem split it all in two. But as we have said over these past three weeks of Advent, no ear heard his coming that night. And once he was here, some believed in him while others received him not.
Still he came, silently, quietly, and changed our world. I remember that while Norm and I were living in Kentucky years and years ago, we awoke one January morning to 18 inches of new fallen snow, which was a lot even for Kentucky. All of the schools and businesses closed down. Southern Seminary abandoned classes for the first time in something like 100 years. Absolutely no one went to work that day. Everyone stayed inside and listened to the news on television. Outside it was clear and cold with temperatures well below zero. The most striking thing of all, though, to us, was the absolute silence. There were no cars or trucks about, no noise in the neighborhood early that morning, just silence. It was as if that entire community had quietly and mysteriously become a different city and place and time, all because of what fell from heaven overnight. Phillips Brooks was right when he penned those words to the carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. The gift, the blessing, is that Emmanuel comes. Our God is with us. In Frederick Binkner's beautiful phrase, the claim that Christianity makes for Christmas is that at a particular time and place, God came to be with us himself. This is what scripture means in saying that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The great Baptist student of the Greek New Testament, Clarence Jordan, used to love to put it even more simply. The idea became a man and moved in with us. All to say, we now know that we are not alone. God humbled God's self in the form of a son and came into our world for us. Which is to say that the great lesson of Christmas is that we have all been found by God. Whoever and wherever we are, no matter what we may have done, our God has chosen to be with us. His name is Emmanuel. Bethlehem affirms that our God has entered this world in such a way as to allow each one of us to climb back up into the lap of the one who created us and forgives us our sins and loves us still. Our God is for us. And perhaps... The best news of all is that this was not a one-time event, but was meant to be a continuing relationship. Often when we hear that word Emmanuel, we tend to think only of the Christmas story. Sometimes little mention is made of the fact that Emmanuel also has to do with Christ's continuing presence with us now. Do you remember those words that Jesus spoke to his first disciples recorded for us in the gospel according to John? Jesus had just promised never to forsake them, but instead to give them a counselor, the Holy Spirit of truth. They would not be left alone in the world at his departure. Another would be provided who would sustain them with the very same presence which was in Jesus Christ himself. 
Now, all of that talk set the disciples to wondering, and one of them, the other Judas, voiced the question all of the others were asking. How can this be? How will you manifest yourself to us without doing so to the whole world? You see, the disciples were still thinking that Christ would reveal himself in some great cosmic appearance. And Jesus had to tell them, no. The Father would come to the ones who love him and keep his commandments. Just as Jesus was preparing rooms in the Father's house for believers, in the future, the Holy Spirit was promised to come and to take up residence in those human hearts which believers have prepared for him in love. How do you assure the continuing presence of Jesus Christ with you? Having entered our world, how does the dear Christ enter us? Beyond Bethlehem, what does one do to keep this Christ once he has been received? Well, several things. You keep God's commandments. You love other people. You live in the world as one of his disciples, empowered to love by the Holy Spirit. You act as if his coming really did affect human history, splitting it in two. You live as though he actually lives in your life. That is how we all keep Christmas and manage to keep the Christ once he has been received. Those who love me will keep my word and my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Isaiah called that Emmanuel, God with us. Christ did come at Bethlehem and the world has never ever been the same. Now we know that we are not alone. Our God is for us and with us. God comes to save us from our sins and to do for us what we could not begin to do for ourselves. Emmanuel, what a promise. What a Christ. Thanks be to God for the indescribable Christmas gift of Jesus Christ our Lord. And let us pray. We give you thanks, our Father, for these moments together. You have blessed us with the best gift of all by giving yourself in the form of your Son, Jesus Christ. Now, as you did with Mary and Joseph so long ago, help us to receive the Christ child when he comes and to believe by faith that you have come to our world and to all of us. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, and the Lord of all, we pray. Amen.
Would you be seated? As we await the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, let us remember the needs of the church and of the world, first by praying silently and then by offering the prayers of God's people this day. Let us pray. O God, in days to come, the mountain of your house will be established and your hope, peace, joy, and love shall reign upon the earth. We pray for the church that you might teach us your ways and that we might always walk in your right paths. Lord, in your mercy. In your kingdom, O Lord, we believe that there will be no more pain and suffering. Yet in the world in which we live, we know to pray for the sick and those who hurt and those in distress of any kind, that you would heal all of their injuries, comfort all grief, and settle all wrongs. Especially this morning, we would pray for Mary Alice and for Celie and for Carol and her family. Lord, in your mercy. O God of promise, you have given us a sign of your love through the gift of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who was promised from ages past. We believe, as Joseph did, the message of your presence whispered by an angel, and offer our prayers for your world, confident of your care and mercy for all of creation. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, through the prophet, you said that a young woman would conceive and bear a son, and that in the fullness of time, you sent your son to be born of Mary, and his name was Emmanuel. God with us. We thank you for your presence with us, and we pray that you might always be present with those who experience prejudice or injustice, those who seek direction, as well as those who are lonely and afraid. Lord, in your mercy. O oh God, through prophets and angels, you promised to raise up a son who would establish a household of peace and justice and love. Open our hearts to receive your son, that we may open our doors to welcome all persons as sisters and brothers and establish your household in our time. And hear us this morning as we pray using the words our Lord Jesus taught his disciples when he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God chose to give God's Son to our world, chose to come to us in human form, even in the form of an infant, and gives us the gifts of love and grace over and over again. Let us in the same way give this morning. Let us be like our God with us and offer love and grace to the entire world.
Let us pray. God of love and grace, as we give our gifts this morning, we remember that all of our giving has its foundation in the amazing gift you gave to us, your son who came in the form of a child to be God with us. May what we give today and in the days to follow be given with the knowledge that your gift is the most perfect and the one we need the most. We pray that all of our gifts would bring your love to a hurting world. And we pray in the name of the Prince of Peace who is to come. Amen. The invitation to Christian discipleship is extended now. What better day than today to profess your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and to allow him entrance into your life or to come expressing a desire to unite with his church which meets in this place. As we sing this hymn and as you respond, we would receive you this day with great joy. Each Sunday, it is our very real pleasure at First Baptist Church to welcome those who worship with us as guests. In the course of the year, we have persons from all over the United States and 20 or 30 countries of the world, and today is no exception. We welcome uh, new friends and returning friends from Charleston, South Carolina, from Fredericksburg, Virginia, from the state of North Carolina, and also from St. Augustine, Florida, as well as right here in our own city of Savannah, I am sure. Uh, thank you for your presence this morning. Do give our people 
an opportunity to greet you in the name of Christ following worship today. They would like very much to do that. Quickly, by way of announcement, our midweek uh, gatherings of the church family have ended for this year and will not resume until Wednesday, January the 4th of 2017. But we look forward to welcoming all of you on Saturday night for our Christmas Eve service of lessons and carols. It promises, as always, to be a wonderful evening of beautiful music, uh, candles and Christmas carols, ending with silent night and singing from the front steps of the church. Uh, the prelude begins at 5.15 and the service uh, at 5.30. So join us and bring your holiday company, your family and friends. And then on Christmas Day at 11 a.m., we will gather for one service here in the sanctuary, a slightly more relaxed time of worship together as we remember the birth of Jesus. And now as we prepare to leave this good place, would you receive the benediction and the response by the choir? Let us pray. Hasten, O Father, the coming of your kingdom and grant that we, your servants, who now live by faith, may with joy behold your Son at his coming in glorious majesty, even Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you.